Hi, my name is Juliette, and I'm the host for this podcast. I'm studying to be a rabbi, and in Judaism, there's a specific portion or reading from the Torah for every week of the year. As we go through these readings week by week in order, from the beginning of the Torah to the end, from the beginning of the Jewish year to the end, we analyze the stories and we comment on them. Of course, connecting them to real life, to contemporary life, is how these ancient stories come alive, which is one of my great passions as a future rabbi. I hope you'll accompany me as I tell these stories of Torah and of my life and the lives of others. If you miss an episode, you can always go back and find it wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for coming on this ancient journey with me. And you can always check out my website, lenegditamid.us, L-N-E-G-D-I-T-A-M-I-D. I look forward to sharing more with you. Thanks. Bye. I mean, don't go away. Here comes the next part for this week. So I'm going to talk about Noah this week. Um, it's the second Parsha of the year. And um, you may hear all kinds of weird background noises. I'm outside in the city as usual. Maybe it'll get quieter in the wintertime when I'm indoors, but it's just too beautiful day not to be sitting outside. So that's what I'm doing while I'm doing this. Anyway, hi everybody. Um, this week's this week's title is, Oh No, Noah. That's how you're supposed to say it, not, Oh No, Noah, but, Oh No, Noah. Anyway, I was listening to a comedian. His name is Danny Jollis. I don't know if you've, if you've heard, um, if you've seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's the guy who never get, who nobody ever remembers his name. Um, he's a pretty funny comedian, and I, and I was watching him, um, and um, he really did make me laugh. Not like the story of Noah and the destruction of life on Earth. Um, very serious Parsha, not what we think of as really, I mean, I know in our culture it's like a child story, but there is nothing fun or light about this Parsha. I don't know who decided that it was a good idea to make it into a child's book or story or something that we would just sing about like you know um, at camp right serious stuff anyway Danny Jollis the comedian I know you forgot all about him by now so I'm bringing you back to him so this is what he says he's like he's telling his jokes up on stage and he says so many people say to me how can you still believe in God how can you still read the Bible How can you believe in the Bible? It's thousands of years old. How can you still be reading that? Science, buddy. That's the truth. That's the proven thing. And Jolas counters with, but how often do scientists say, here, um, we've got this great new drug. It will solve all your problems. And 20 years later, you see your doctor and your doctor quietly says, you're still taking that? Ooh, we've made a mistake. We've updated that. 
I mean, we don't read, we don't look at science journals from 20 years ago, so why should we read a book thousands of years old? So then he says, so maybe God is up there saying, oh, you're still reading that? Uh... Yeah, so this joke got me thinking, yeah, we're still reading that, and it is really outdated, but there is still so much old wisdom to be gleaned from the stories the same way there is great medical wisdom from thousands of years ago that is being brought back because there are ancient ways of healing in gentler ways than the pharmaceutical companies want us to believe. I'm also continuing to think about creation. You know, last week we started the Torah again. It was in the beginning. And so here we are still in the beginning of creation. And even in our second Parsha, I mean, how can we not be thinking about it? God has just destroyed everything he's made. Yeah, a few generations have gone by, but still, it's like really quick, right? Second week, come on, guy, you know? Anyway, with the flood, God destroys all that he's just made, except for one family headed by Noah, the one tzaddik, the one righteous person of his generation, along with pairs of animals. You know the story. He's like, we're going to start things all over again. God commands Noah to build an ark in only seven days. I mean, things must have been really bad. It, how urgent was this? Why? Seven days? Okay. Must have been bad. So I was reading a, a drosh, an interpretive writing, like a sermon by this rabbi, Shohama, Shoshana Meira Friedman. Um, you can check her out on the web and also check out the Shalom Center because that's where it was their email that I got. If you go to her, go to the Shalom Center, you'll find her writing on Noah. On Noah. And she talks about Noah not challenging God to defend humanity and the earth against destruction. And so this brings us to the question, how much of a tzaddik, how righteous could Noah have actually been? He obviously didn't have enough righteousness to even question God in protest. Um, maybe he didn't have enough faith in humanity or himself. In fact, the Kedushas Levi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdachev, answers the question by saying that Noah, though blameless, didn't even have enough faith in his own voice to have an effect on God's decree. So he doesn't say anything. Noah gets drunk afterwards. I don't know if you know the story. He gets drunk. And... Friedman suggests, Rabbi Friedman suggests, that this is because he can't deal with the utter destruction that he witnesses after he comes, after the floodwaters start to recede. Plus the fact that he was silent and allowed this to take place without even a word. He never speaks up to God. So if this is so, if Noah's conscience spoke to him, well, I would, I want to say God's conscience spoke to God. It's true. God realizes immediately after the flood that he's made a mistake and he swears he will never destroy life on earth in its entirety again. But recognizing his mistake doesn't prevent him from making more mistakes. Kind of like people. Generations go by and the descendants of Noah are getting very spread out 
Torah tells us. Everyone still speaks one language, but they seem to be concerned about losing touch because they have this great idea. They will build a city with a solid brick tower, the famous Tower of Babel, high up into the sky. And according to some sources, this is this multi-layered temple thing, a meeting place between heaven and earth. This is usually read quite cyn cynically. People say, you know, oh, they were trying to be like equal to God. But I want to challenge this and it's cynicism because the Hebrew says, let's make a tower and we'll make a name for, for ourselves. It doesn't say so, that's how it's translated. So we'll make a name for ourselves. It says, let's make a tower and we'll make a name for ourselves. So I want to be a little bit less cynical in reading this and say that maybe, just maybe, they want everyone to stay together as a recognized people. Oh, there's the fire engines in the background. I told you I was outside. And they'll be closer to God way up there in the sky. To me, it could be the ultimate lack, the ultimate act and intention of unity be between humans and between humans and God. Well, God did not agree with me. God's take was, by trying to reach so high, they were overstepping. And what is this making a name for themselves thing? Who do they think they are? So God punishes them by mixing up their speech so they can't understand each other, making their plan impossible to complete. And from then on, the people of the earth are spread farther and farther apart, speaking many different languages. It says in Torah that God scatters the people and I want to talk about that word scatter for a minute because it actually has the sense of shattering. It's one of the, in a, in a specific um, grammatical formation, it means shatter, which I think is really interesting. So what if God knows now, and I do mean now, that God made a mistake, not only in destroying all life with a flood, but by scattering or shattering the unity between people. What if God is really up there thinking, hey, you're still reading that? That book? You need to get a new revised version. I've evolved since then. I realize now that those people were just trying to get closer to me. Maybe I was being a little touchy and misinterpreted their intentions. Religion teaches that God is perfection, but it's obvious that God is far from perfect. Mistakes are a part of God's journey, as they are for us. Imperfection is just a part of the universe as creation continues to change and evolve. Also, recognizing a mistake doesn't automatically stop us from making more. It's taken generations of mistakes, accidental and sometimes even intentional, to get to the place where global flooding is a reality that's becoming more real every day, threatening all life. Rabbi Friedman, the one I was taught that I quoted from earlier, she quotes the, this 13th century mystical text called the Zohar Chadash, that's C-H-A-D-A-S-H if you want to look it up, which contrasts Noah's silence to Abraham's protests for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. That's coming soon to a theater near you. Friedman imagines Noah as an ancient man of over 900 years old, meeting Abraham when he was just a little boy, when he was still called Abram. 
and he seizes the child by the arm, hissing desperately into his ear in his drunken state after the flood. And he says, when, or maybe he becomes drunk forever, I don't know, because he can't deal with his mistake. And he says, the, when the judge of all the, all the earth comes to you and tells you he plans destruction, make him act justly. Friedman challenges us to remember that Jewish tradition demands that we speak up and act. We are not to lie back, despairing as we see the destruction of the world happening before our very, very eyes. I know I go to that place of despair a lot, but we can't. We really have no choice but to say, oh no, and move on. I mean, oh no, it's like big deal, oh no. But we have to move on to try and fix what we've done. We are not to give up faith in humanity just because of our mistakes. So I want to say, let us speak for a new and revised God. Let's speak for him, whose voice we can only hear through this, the cries of the people. People who are suffering because of global climate disaster. And speak for this God who now knows that separation and scattering our mistake and find our way back to a healthy, balanced earth through our own unity, a, uni a unity that requires our voices, our time, and our money for the righteous cause of saving life on our planet. If it means divesting our money from certain banks, from whatever it is. And let us have faith, the faith that Noah didn't have in the power of our words and actions to change the course of events and let us say amen i hope you'll come back and listen next week thanks bye shabbat shalom hi i'm juliette and i'm the host for this podcast I'm studying to be a rabbi, and in Judaism, there's a portion that we read every week from the Torah, the Bible, um, week after week, from the beginning of the end, from the beginning of the Torah to the end, from the beginning of the year to the end, it's always the same order. And as we read, we stop and we analyze and we comment on each Parsha, on each Torah reading. One of my great passions as a future rabbi is to make these stories come alive. And so I tell stories from my life, from other people's lives, stories I've heard, and connect them with the Torah portion. And I hope you'll join me on this ancient and contemporary journey. If you miss an episode, you can always go back. And I also want to invite you to explore my website Lenegditamid.us. That's L N E G D I T A M I D. Dot us. The us is important and don't put an apostrophe anywhere. That's how you'll find me. Um, okay, so thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs>